0: Hey, what's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel retiring or studying abroad or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is joining us all the way from Bulgaria. His name is Plamen, and he's going to take us on a deep dive of his home country there in Bulgaria. So it was a lot of fun. This is a country we've touched on a little bit in about abroad, but we've never gone really deep on why it is that this is kind of one of those up and coming places that people are talking about just outside of Western Europe, where a lot of people who are looking for a new place to go, sort of an up and coming country, Bulgaria is on that list. Uh, It has partly to do with the beautiful nature, the mountains that sort of look like the Alps, the, the beaches, the cool little villages and towns, the history and the cities. There's a lot to like here in Bulgaria, and a lot of people do not yet have it on their radar. So we're going to learn a little bit more about that today, as well as learn about Nomad Balkans, which is Blumens' business, which is helping companies and individuals come and enjoy the best of the Balkans and particularly in Bulgaria. So we walk through all of that in this episode, a lot packed into an hour discussion, and hope you will enjoy this one as much as I did. Please help me in welcoming Plumman to About Abroad. Hey, Plumman, welcome to the show. Thanks for stopping by. How are you doing today?
1: Hello, Chase. Thank you very much for having me. I'm here at the comfort of my home office in Sofia. It's a beautiful day. No, Not so sunny as usual, but it's really nice. Thank you.
0: That's great. Well, um, sunny Sofia, I think that's, that's what it's nicknamed, right? B- Bulgaria is known for its sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm super excited to have this conversation because I know you've, you know, you, I'm here in Spain. You've Lived many years in Spain uh you've made your way back to your uh to your motherland there in Bulgaria and are doing some very cool things uh back there so i'm I'm excited it feels like we have a lot of uh, a lot of common ground to talk about. I was very curious uh if i'm am I pronouncing your name correct because I get the gist that I'm not. Plamen.
1: Uh, it's a very good question. Uh, you pronounce the way correctly, but let's say that that's not the way to pronounce my name in Bulgarian. But ever since I stepped outside of Bulgaria about 19 years ago, I realized that I will be called Plamen forever. In Bulgaria, though, the real name, the real way to pronounce it, is Plamen. It comes out of Plamen, which means a flame. So yeah, that's the way to pronounce it. Plamen sounds like W instead of L. But outside of Bulgaria, I'm just plummeting. I had half an hour this. Discussion like an argument with my teacher uh, when I was back in Spain. The first day of class, he didn't manage to pronounce it properly, so I just gave up. And from then, I'm just plummeting.
0: Names are a funny thing, right? Because they're so central to our identity, and at the same time, they can you can kind of morph a little bit when you move from country to country, culture to culture. And uh, I, I know a lot of people who have like actually changed their names or, or decided to go by something different when they move from one country to the next. Sometimes, in your case, it's it's chosen. For you, but I find this kind of fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, during the years, uh, people try to call me differently, like in Spain, for example, Pedro, or in other countries, like Peter. But I always stick into Plamen and. Everyone was happy with it after
0: all. What's most important is you're happy with it, I guess. And that that's the big thing. So I was kind of curious about that because I was like, I hope, I hope I'm hope i getting this right. You read something and then when you have to say it out loud, you go, oh, I, I hope that uh, I hope this is correct. So thank
1: you. Thank you for asking. So, yes, flamen is perfectly fine.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Great. Well, we're off to a, a good start then. So what, what I think would be really interesting is, is to kind of set the context for everybody about why we're having this discussion. You're doing some very cool things in in Bulgaria. And in the last season, I had on a a mutual friend of ours, Mitko, Who's a fellow podcast host and digital nomad extraordinaire, and a mutual friend of ours. And he shared some information. We talked a little bit about Bulgaria, but you know he's moved away from Bulgaria a long time ago, and and that's not really his focus. But Bulgaria is one of those countries that's really up and coming on the digital nomad scene. They're they're attracting a lot of talent there. Uh, some people call it like Greece without Greek prices in in a lot of ways. So anyway, I just there's a ton to talk about with Bulgaria. You're doing. A lot of really cool stuff in this space to attract digital nomads and remote workers. So we're going to get into nomad Balkans um, and all that. But I wonder if you could just kind of set the stage with your background and and your connection to Bulgaria and the sort of the path you've taken to get back there.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Chase, for this wonderful introduction, and also to Mitko for having put us uh, into into contact. And ever since that, I discovered also your podcast you're bringing a lot of value to your audience and I'm one of these people that is learning a lot of valuable lessons, and you are bringing a lot of case studies as well. And I think you are doing a wonderful job. So, once again, thank you for that uh, as well. And just so for people to get to know me a little bit better, I'm originally from Bulgaria. But when I was 16, uh, given that my family immigrated to Spain, to Madrid, I went to Madrid uh, for just for uh, summer holidays. But I like it so much that my parents convinced me to stay to give it a chance so this is where I moved to study I finished my high school education there and after that uh, given my love for foreign culture for languages uh, and for travel of course which we will get into in the in this conversation I decided to study tourism and after three years studying I and after doing my master's degree as well I decided that this is a good a place to continue also my professional career you know you're li- living in spain it's a wonderful place uh, to be and tourism wise it's a country which is in the very top of offering great opportunities so i thought that this would be a great place to great place to be and to develop as a professional as well and yeah to make Uh, To make a long story short, I started uh, my professional career in the corporate world, Uh, worked for over five years in the airport industry. I was basically in charge of uh, negotiating contracts with the airlines that were flying to Spain, and uh, I I was in charge of a company division for the ground handling uh, operations so everything related to the airport services. But let's say that after five, six years, I realized that this is not the place that I can develop properly, that I can realize uh, all my dreams for making a positive impact uh, into, into the community. And after all, I realized that we are just Numbers when we uh, worked for big companies, and the way to go forward would be
0: to do something
1: different and to be uh, entrepreneur. And this is where my real entrepreneurial journey outside of the box started.
0: Fantastic. Okay. All right. So that that really kicked off when you uh, when you made your way back to Bulgaria, or before you made your way back to Bulgaria. Just to clarify.
1: Yeah. Uh, this was uh, just uh, at the beginning of 2000, uh, end of 2016, beginning of 2017. Uh, I felt stuck after finishing this, let's say, period in the corporate world. I felt stuck. I knew that I needed to change something, but I I was lacking the skills and all the ingredients to bring me to this stage. So what I thought is that I need to break with absolutely everything. I need to go abroad, away from family, friends, and from uh, this uh, comfortable uh, background that was making my life easy so i decided to step outside of my comfort zone and travel to the antipodes so i went to Austra- i moved to australia for over a year i joined an interesting entrepreneurial program and started my travels
0: well, <laughs> Where'd you go to in Australia? I'm, I'm curious. It, it's funny. That was the the first place that I went when I when I was 18. I had never left the country, left the US. And uh, so I went to Australia as my, like, I, I think it's funny because now looking back, I'm like, I could have dipped my toe in the water and, you know, gone to Mexico or Canada or something like right across the border. But I flew around the world and, and went and spent a month there. So, <laughs> but I loved it. It was such an, it was an indoctrination. I was, I was totally hooked. I mean, just hearing different accent and like, you know, it's not even cultural that that different than the u.s in a lot of ways and i was just like mind blown by by every little thing like and, and just totally addicted to the world of travel
1: i, I wonder also where we go and later i will continue as well uh with my experience did you use the working holiday visa or was it just Travels? How did you do it?
0: It was just travel because it was it was under ninety days, so I was I was only there for for a month, which at the time just seemed like such a long time. Like it was like you know I'm leaving, I'm never coming back for a month. So yeah, and I uh, and I was young and not working at that time. It was it was between high school and college, and saved up for like a year to to go on this trip. And so anyway, yeah, it was awesome.
1: I'm really jealous because uh, during my stay in Australia, I met. So many young people from from the US, from UK, from some Scandinavian countries as well. And I really admire this culture of having uh, a gap year, like this concept of right after finishing high school and before going to college, just to have this time for yourself to realize what you want in life. And I found so many young uh, girls and boys doing this. It was amazing. I did it in my 30s. Just when I turned 30 and people were doing it in their 80s. I mean,
0: in in, in fairness, I did like my experience was fun. It's funny because I thought it was like such a big deal to take this. I say it was a month, I think it was even like a little bit less than a month. And it was such a big deal. And I actually was doing like a summer internship. This was the summer between high school and college. And this is like the most, it feels like the most uber American thing ever. Like I was signed up for a summer internship between before starting college, and I like begged them to be able to take this month off to to be able to go and, and do this this trip. So anyway, I fast forward like what, I don't know, 10 years later or something, when I was almost 30, I did my gap year finally as well. So you and I share that in common, and uh, I absolutely advocate for it. It's, it was an awesome thing. Life-changing. It got me to where I am it's, today, and I'm, I wouldn't change anything for it.
1: It's never too late. And you know what they say, the 30s are the new 20s, and, and so on. I'm sure that it's never late for this type of experience. So yeah, what, what I did basically uh, was to move. Being a Bulgarian with a Bulgarian passport, the only option for me was to have a uh, educational visa. So I this allowed me basically for staying for just a bit more than a an year. I moved to Sydney, which is where this program was taking place. And I was combining work with studies. And when I had a day off, I was just, traveling around Sydney for sure you have been around so the blue mountains, the beautiful beaches around. Uh, it's a lovely place to be and any little time that I had I just took the advantage to travel around. and every couple of months I had to, I put few days off uh, together so to explore uh, a bit farther away. So, for example, I went to Ruru. Maybe you have been uh, there as well, just in the middle of
0: Australia. No, I don't think so.
1: No. Yeah, so this is basically, uh, for sure, you have you and your audience have seen it uh, many times in pictures, in the postcards from Australia. Is this a giant red uh, rock,
0: which, yeah, for sure. Oh, I thought that was called... A, is it called Ayers Ayers, Ayers Rock. Rock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, That's
1: it. Oruro is the name from Aboriginal uh, Aboriginal people. So yeah, it's a protected area. So let's say that it's their their heritage and this space belongs to Aboriginal people. So it was a very spiritual experience. We went into a camp campsite together with the local, I call him like the, the local Crocodile dandy, <laughs> who was driving us around in a, in a van, like people from different continents and from different cultures. We spent uh, just about four days together exploring the area, just eating uh, local amazing food and meeting uh, wonderful people, sleeping under the stars. Uh, so yeah, this was one of the most amazing experiences I remember. I went up to Cairns to do some diving into the coral reef. I went for for surfing in Byron Bay around. I went to Tasmania, to New Zealand. I spent some time living in Melbourne as well. So for me, this was just an eye-opening experience that the world is a truly amazing place. And it's worth discovering it and mixing with different people because this is how you develop. And this is how you make sense of who you are in this world.
0: Yeah, they always say like, you know, travel is the best form of education and I think it's you get indoctrinated in that when you spend some time in a foreign country especially some extended time like for you I bet like you know you when you're you I don't remember the age you said exactly but what 15 16 and you go and you go to Spain like what a what an awesome opportunity learn different language and experience a different culture see how other people approach things and and then to have that that experience when you take your in your 30s gap year and go down to Australia meet tons of people from different parts of the world like I mean you just absorb so much. It's like, it's kind of like going back to being an infant when you're just like taking everything in and everything's just kind of illuminated in a different way. And, and you just, you can learn so much through these experiences.
1: I I fully agree. And as you know, uh, it's not all bread and butter. Like uh, it does take time to get used to it because uh, you have a lot of this imposter syndrome as well. Like I'm not, I'm not good into this. You have your fears about not being sure if people are going to accept you in this new endeavor that you are doing. But after all, it's fine. We all have fears. It's just a matter of uh, challenging yourself, just step by step. And yeah, after after you overcome this, it's just
0: I couldn't agree more. But it's very interesting to hear the parallel, the different parallels, and like the the different routes that we both took to kind of coming back to our truth, which I think is really special. You and your home country, which sounds amazing. I have not visited Bulgaria, and uh, and I know, like I said earlier, it's one of these up and coming places that I feel like is more and more on the radar for people. Maybe sort of like I don't know if you draw a parallel, but like to Croatia, like. 10 years ago or something like that 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 kind of sticks in my mind as like sort of a a, a good parallel what do you think
1: yeah thank you for for drawing this parallel and making this comparison for sure uh croatia now is ages ahead of bulgaria or at least that's how it looks like because it's in the global map of as a destination not just for remote workers but also for travelers overall uh, because of its convenient location uh, very close to uh, central europe and of course they have beautiful beaches and excellent weather all year round and i believe that we can get uh, get there it's just a matter for sure we are lacking a lot of marketing. Uh, we need to get better into this, but uh, in spite of the small size that Bulgaria has, we have a wide range of different settings, different landscapes that can attract different types of visitors. So we have beautiful mountains, uh, wonderful weather, picturesque villages with a lot of ancient traditions, wonderful gastronomy, which has been influenced from both the West and the East, beautiful beaches, and we have all the green ingredients to succeed. It's just a matter of getting into the years. So to, uh, it, we are all responsible for putting Bulgaria in the map. Uh, for travelers and for remote workers, like
0: if if only we could find like a podcast or something where people were interested in in this sort of thing and you know traveling and exploring other countries, we that would be a great way to to uh, to get you out there. So <laughs> uh, I'm glad we get to do that today. This is like my favorite part of the of the job in air quote is discovering these places, especially the ones honestly, especially the ones I haven't been to because I get to kind of travel there without actually having to travel there, which is which is cool. So to hear from a local about all these things, I mean, I've seen pictures of, of um like Bankso for instance and and some of like the coastline and villages and I think something that people probably don't realize the average person um just might not realize is like the natural beauty that bulgaria possesses
1: yeah uh, just just what you just uh, mentioned and i think that's the biggest treasure of bulgaria that it's still unspoiled uh, so there is also a, a good side of uh, not being so well known because it's easy to surprise people because they don't have any expectation when they come to bulgaria and then they see uh, these unspoiled beach uh, they they see these authentic villages with really great people they They see this uh, great organic food, like food in Bulgarian villages. Villages is organic by itself. You don't need to look for organic food. It just grows from the garden. You can go (laughs) exactly. You can go and get the tomato or the cucumber uh, by yourself and make uh, make a salad. And you you just mentioned Bansko, and this is what most of the Nomad community know about Bulgaria, and I always set it as a case study, as an example, how we can turn a place into being this welcoming uh, site for anyone willing to discover uh, Bulgaria while being in the in this nice uh, local community. So Bansko used to be just a mountain village for for and resort for skiers and snowboarders, uh, snowboarders during winter and Apart from that, during the rest of the year, it used to be just isolated uh, place where just few locals living were living. Five years ago, German entrepreneur Matthias came to this place, saw a lot of opportunities, and started building this like co-working space. And around it, he started attracting a lot of nomads, organizing different uh, events during the year. And five years later, he's organizing this local Bansko uh, Nomad Fest every year attracting two three five hundred people nomads from everywhere who when come to Bulgaria they fall in love with the place and just decide to stay for longer so we have now about one thousand people uh, living constantly in uh in Bansu people from all uh from all across the world and just sharing these amazing experiences and working together. So this is an example of place that can be turned into a really global village in a small country as Bulgaria. We just need to replicate this model into more places because Bansko is just a small fraction.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this is the amazing thing. Like, so, so, yeah. Bansko is a place that that some people know, but I'll, I'll bet a lot of people listening had not heard of it until now. We we talked about it uh, a little bit on a previous episode in in the in the last season. But for those that maybe haven't heard that, can you kind of just describe Bansko a little bit? Because to me, it sounds like this picturesque little ski village, like European ski village, uh, uh, tucked up in the and what you might think if you just saw a picture of it would be like the Swiss. Alps or something, but it's it's uh it's there in Bulgaria. Is that is that about right? Exactly,
1: just 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 the right uh, description. It looks like the Alps, but yeah, it's in the in the middle of three mountains in Bulgaria, in between Pirin, Arila, uh, Rodope, and apart from the picturesque village we have uh, you have a lot uh, nice uh, smaller villages uh, in the nearby where really authentic people live. So you can go just to uh, see some authentic Bulgarian crafts to taste uh, the Bulgarian cuisine Uh, so it's a really great place to be and what's best for the digital nomads that you have a a community of like-minded people that you can share the experience
0: with. Yeah that's the key is the is the community the tribe like it's it's great to be in a beautiful place, and anybody can go and enjoy a week or a month or something in a in a beautiful place, especially with some some good gastronomy around, if, like you mentioned. But the community is what's going to hold you there. That's kind of the. The glue that that makes you stick, I think so, and and that's what you know. Like I, I've had so many times where, um, like my wife and I love to go up to the Pyrenees, and the Pyrenees are gorgeous and very, very much so over or underrated or overlooked by most people. Most people that come to Europe and want to see the mountains, they're going to think of the Alps, which are insanely beautiful, and I get that. But the Pyrenees are really underrated, and I will often be up there in these little, just amazing. Little towns and villages, and just, they just—they look incredible, and they have awesome food and great infrastructure, and you know all the natural beauty you could want. There's just not much community there. There's no. There's not other people your age or with similar interests. You know, I, we've said before, like you know, if it was anybody else other than like three abuelas like here, then then I would love to live in one of these places. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This season is brought to you by my good friends over at Insured Nomads. They're the absolute best in the business when it comes to providing health, travel, and medical insurance for nomads, expats, and really just all forms of world travelers. I know insurance is often something that's overlooked when we're fantasizing about traveling the world, but it's absolutely necessity that we address this because often the policy you have in your home country isn't going to cover you while you're abroad. And it's also a requirement, as a lot of people may not realize, to actually buy private travel or expat insurance, as it's called sometimes, to obtain a visa or even enter certain countries. So fortunately, there are companies like Insured Nomads to help us with this. Not only do they have excellent coverage and great prices, but they're also providing a first-class experience with additional perks and best-in-class technology via their app. It's a, it's an amazing experience. I can't recommend it enough. Now, this is a company that was built by world travelers for world travelers. So they know what it's like to find yourself in a difficult medical situation abroad, and they want to keep you from having that same bad experience. So the next time you're planning a trip abroad, whether it's for a week or a lifetime, check out Insured Nomads via the link in the show notes. Hey guys, so many of you write in asking how to support the show best. And if you are listening and made it this far into the episode, then I'm going to presume that perhaps you're one of those people that wants to help. So if that's the case, the best thing you could do right now would be to open up the app that you're currently using to listen to this episode, go to the little arrow thing that allows you to share, select it, and share it to one of your social media networks. That would be a huge, huge help. You can feel free to tag me at DC Warrington, and I'll slap you a virtual high five from wherever I am in the world. Thank you so much for the support. We really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy listening to the rest of this episode. Okay, now back to the episode. So it's it's so cool. It's it's probably my favorite thing about this whole, I don't know, movement, like is that you you have these places like Abankso that are that where where groups are congregating and people are forming real lives and getting out of the major cities and living in places where they truly want to live and they can get all aspects of their life, including the community, the access to natural beauty, the interest in like, you know, hanging out with people from different places and experience a new country. This is probably like the most exciting thing for me.
1: Yeah. And the same for me. And when we started this project with my uh, co-founder, of course, we knew that Bansko is a place that by itself, because of its image is going to attract a lot of people. But we want to replicate this model and to see this uh, happening, even though in minor scale, uh, also, in other places because that's what probably in our opinion should be uh, about. Not just about going into these most Instagrammable places that everyone wants to go, but uh, to bring them off the beaten path to places that uh, where can they can get in touch with uh, the real Bulgaria, like uh, where they can see authentic people, and uh, they can learn about the history of this place, and to experience it by themselves, not just seeing it uh, in pictures.
0: That's the key. That's the key. So that that kind of brings me to Nomad Balkans, which I would love for you to kind of introduce to the to the audience, and and to me, honestly. I mean, I just. I know the very little bit that I've I've read on your website and um, done a little bit of research on, but that kind of seems to be at the at the core of what you're trying to do. Is that fair to say?
1: Yep, yeah, uh, exactly. That's what we are doing uh, right now. What has us passionate about and uh it what we are doing is basically in the cross section of the two of our biggest passions. one is remote work and the other is is travel so basically what we are doing is to allow people and those companies and teams to step outside of the home office environment uh, to get together to connect uh, truly and to bring uh strengthen the team spirit and to really make the team bonds uh, closer and to step away from the comfort of their home and to work in an inspiring environment while doing some amazing activities uh, here in bulgaria so what we basically uh, allow for them uh, for remote work uh, companies is to go to different previously selected uh, interesting destinations in bulgaria and the seaside in the mountains in urban and in rural environments where can just Stay by themselves and combine work with different team building, uh, entertaining experience.
0: Oh, fantastic! So you're providing the the local perspective. You know the places to go. You know the venues. You know what a particular group might want, and you're curating that event for them uh, specifically in Bulgaria.
1: Exactly. That's the value that we are adding because by this point, many companies try to organize uh, these by themselves but you know from your experience also as head of remote that uh, organizing a team retreat is very time consuming and very effort consuming as well. So you need to get in contact. First, you need to find the right Spot the right destination that can cater to the expectations and to the interests of the different uh, members of the group. Later, you need to find the right venue with a good Wi-Fi connection, or alternatively, a good co-working space. Of course, once the team is there, it's not only about work, uh, you want to also have different interesting experience uh, related. To nature related to food uh, related to culture. So there are so many plenty of things to do, but they're usually not in the, in the same space. And apart from that, when you move to a different country, there are a lot of logistics and transportation issues that you need to take care of. So that's what we are doing. We facilitate all of these arrangements. Uh, we are one point of contact uh, that can arrange all of these for the companies that uh, want to organize a retreat. And as you mentioned, we select the venues. We personally handpick them. We travel to the destinations to get in contact with the uh, with the local people that will take care of this uh, experience, just to ensure that everything will go just as planned. We built a strong connection. We focused on uh, small service providers so in order to also allow for the local small business to thrive
0: wow sounds amazing <laughs> coming from my vantage point right now where i am planning multiple offsite retreats for for our team and and, and then the big company retreat yeah it, it's a lot and there's so many aspects that go into this like you mentioned a lot you know just just thinking about it uh, setting aside the like standard digital nomad and looking at like what teams are doing because the offsite the uh, is becoming the new kind of the new back to the office In a way, you know, more teams are going remote, and they're going to rely on these offsite meetings to be their source of culture and where they do team bonding and things like that. So these have to be really awesome. It's like when it's like ten years ago when the Googleplex was coming out, or what? And you know, it was like it became really cool to have a really cool office, and that's how you attracted talent. I think offsites are that next step, right? So this is what. You know, you're, you got to do offsites at a very good high level, not just for your internal productivity and to make sure that your team's bonding and stuff. That's super important. That's the real reason. But also because this is what... Imp- Uh, employees and prospective employees are going to be looking at. So it becomes super, super important and you have to do them in unique locations and you have to make them really productive and fun and easy to arrive. Um, So it goes beyond just like the logistics and it goes beyond just the team bonding and and activities. It's got to be this like perfect fusion to do it really well. And this gets super complex when you start talking about bringing 10 people from 10 different countries or 100 people from 30 different countries all to one place. So it's I can say just from my standpoint, it's it's very important to have someone on the ground that knows the the local landscape and so I love what you're doing especially in a place like Bulgaria where you know it's not like you know going to Rome where maybe you have somebody on your team that's like oh yeah we we know Rome you know I, I, I can pick a hotel in the right neighborhood and we can go see the sites like I know exactly what to do in Rome but not in Bulgaria
1: <laughs> exactly it's harder to do this uh, in Bulgaria it's always good to rely on some uh, local contact uh, no matter where you go be it's playing with Italy, it's always good to rely someone uh, to someone local because they know the right spots. They they can bring you to unknown places where you can really uh, feel the authentic spirit of the of the place. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Where are some other local places? Like like we've talked about Bankso. I think, are you in Sofia? Is that right? I'm based in Sofia.
1: Yeah. Sofia is just one of our urban destinations. Yeah. There are so many other places to, to go. Yep.
0: Okay. All right, can you give us some other like highlight like what are a few other places around maybe we think kind of geographically in terms of like a beach location or you know coastal a city and I don't know one or one or two others just would love to kind of get a yeah. feel for the the country in that sense.
1: Let me try to draw a picture for uh, for your <laughs> audience. Yeah, Bulgaria it's a very small country so it's like just five times smaller than than Spain and about 100 times, maybe 80 times smaller than the U.S., just for people to (laughs) to get to know about the size uh, that Bulgaria has. In spite of that, we have just about four or five big mountains, each one of them with uh, their unique characteristics and different uh, landscapes and also a different culture. Uh, Among our most suitable destinations for team retreats, we can highlight, highlight, apart from Bansko, uh, the Rodope Mountains, We have selected different venues around these mountains, which are located in the right next to the border with Greece. Some ancient tribes, uh, before even Roman time, were established there. So we have a unique mix, uh, unique mix of culture uh, still in place in these in these villages. We still preserve their local traditions, which are different from the rest of Bulgaria, keeping a very explicit cuisine, very much influenced from from the Greeks and also from the Turkish. So in these venues, we have some really wonderful experiences that enrich the experience of the team retreats that uh, choose these locations for their retreats. In the northern side of the country, in what is called the Gabrovo region, this used to be a very significant region during uh, just before liberation of Bulgaria, because of the proximity of the Danube River. This is where most of the commerce was happening before air travel. So for Bulgaria, this northern region was very important in the past. And now we have this unique heritage that was left uh, after so many years of thriving industrialization. And this place now is quite isolated, but uh, it's still a great place with nice nature surroundings and a lot of craftsmanship and the heritage of this really nice and we have some unique workshops uh, taking place in this area for anyone that is interested into arts and craftsmanship. Uh, we have other destinations also in the seaside. By the way, in uh, just next week, I'm traveling to the seaside to select some new uh, locations and proper venues that we have pinned in our map for a long time ago. So before the season starts, we, we are now uh, continuing some conversations with, uh, with working spaces that uh, are being opened in the seaside uh, as well, and some interesting co-living spaces that are opening and special venues uh, to welcome this type of team experiences. And what, what is really uh, wonderful to see is that apart from us, there are some other organizations seeing the potential of remote work and attracting a digital numbers to Bulgaria. So we have found many remote locations, both in the seaside and uh, as well in the Mountainous regions and uh, rural villages across Bulgaria that are opening working spaces or venues, uh, ready to welcome this type of visitors. And this is just the first stone to make Bulgaria attractive for this type of travelers.
0: Yeah, that's actually, that's kind of interesting because we were talking a lot earlier about like the remote team kind of offsite thing, but it sounds like you're, you know, you're. You're also catering to the individual traveler as well, and and trying to help them succeed. So maybe actually shed a little bit more light on on that aspect of of the business as well.
1: Yeah, uh, thank you for mentioning this. Our initial focus is on the team retreats, on companies, because from from the approach perspective, it's easier at the beginning to target like uh, bigger uh, bigger customers, but. Our ultimate goal is to attract uh, individuals and to welcome them for a longer stay. So we do uh, choose our destinations also from the perspective of these individuals to uh, to be able to spend more time in Bulgaria. So we have uh, these urban destinations which can be also combined uh, with some more of the beaten path. So we have this opportunity for individual people to come to Bulgaria and combine different locations in a in a singular state So we arrange for them to spend uh, a week or two in the in the city just to get get the initial taste of Bulgaria and we later allow them to move to some uh, some village uh, where they can truly taste the authentic uh, lifestyle in Bulgaria uh stay close to a local family and we are trying to build a community into the future uh, around this as well, and who knows, maybe these people. Uh, our ultimate goal is to turn Bulgaria and to contribute to more people deciding to choose Bulgaria as a uh, base to where to stay longer, not just to come for a vacation.
0: Actually, okay, so that that's a a great segue. Do you know much about the abilities that non Europeans have? To come to Bulgaria and just stay, can can people just show up? Generally, I mean, I know it's different for a lot of different countries, but what's your what's your take on this?
1: Yeah, uh, it's good that you you mentioned this, and of course. Uh, it's much easier for Europeans to come because being part of the European Union. But for non-Europeans and Americans, for example, in particular, uh, most of the people at the beginning come for just as travelers. So just with your U.S. passport, you can come for ni- up to 90 days without any visa being required. So most of the travelers from the U.S. or from Australia, for example, what they do is they come for 90 days and being Bulgaria a non-Schengen country they later go to another Schengen country like for example to to Greece and after another 90 days you are allowed to come back to Bulgaria as well so many nomads uh, this is what what they do uh, but of course there are opportunities to uh, to stay in Bulgaria for longer you can apply for D type uh, visa which allows you to stay longer term one year or even more and there are different criteria that uh, you need to feel, uh, such as being entrepreneur and uh, having your own business settled in, in Bulgaria. And for sure, what we would like to see, people that we are working in this space, would like to have more conversation also with the local government and to try to have some type of digital nomad uh, visa, just as uh, Spain is launching, which makes me really proud of uh, still feeling uh, half Spanish, and other countries, Croatia, Malta, and so on. So we would like to see this happening uh, also in the future, also here in Bulgaria. But there are opportunities and options to settle down in Bulgaria. And what most of foreigners find really valuable in Bulgaria is that, and as a place to settle their business, is that the income and earning tax is just 10%. So yeah, it has a really, from tax point of view, has a lot of advantages for entrepreneurs.
0: That's why you left Spain. Now I get it.
1: One of the
0: reasons, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's very attractive. See, that is where you know we kind of joked earlier about like the marketing of these countries, and like I, I truly think countries are going to start competing for talent in this way. I mean, they they already are. You're like that's a lot of what these digital nomad visas are. They're they're competing for for knowledge workers to come work and spend their their income there, and hopefully as a, a pathway to paying taxes there. And what, what's fascinating though is that so many of them are kind of going about it in the wrong way. And they're putting way too much emphasis on that tax and, and really requiring either a lot of income or a lot of uh, a high percentage of tax, which isn't so attractive. So Countries are getting they're getting smart about this and saying, "Oh yeah, come here and you'll get a tax break." And and so anyway, it's just kind of interesting to watch this unfold, and very interesting that Bulgaria has kind of already got that baked in at a uh, at a ten percent rate. That's that's very low.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not gonna say anything new that hasn't been said in in this podcast, but for sure, remote work is going to open a lot of lots of opportunities for people to reshape their life and turn it in the way that they uh, they want and for sure from tax perspective given destination as bulgaria can be attractive but there are many other things to to also consider and i believe that bulgaria has a great quality of life it's still more affordable than other european destinations well and after all what is going to make the difference for sure is the is the community this yeah. is what uh, turns a place into a place that you choose for living otherwise you'll be hopping off and off uh, on and off from one place uh, to the other so this is what uh, we need to work on and to attract more more people that uh, choose to choose to stay here do
0: you, do you think the government there is uh putting emphasis on this like do you do you gather that they're they have an, a desire to attract this demographic from the world, or or is there some reluctance?
1: Hope, uh, luckily, just at the end of last year, we changed our government, and the new government is much more forward-looking and progressive in their orientation. So we, I'm quite confident that in the course of the following years, we will see some development in this in this space
0: very cool that's fan- that's fantastic i'm i'm very excited for the this region as a whole and and in particular for bulgaria i've been able to to learn a lot about it via you and mitko and some other folks that have shared some some really good information so i have to make a trip there soon i have to ask one last question you mentioned bulgarian cuisine gastronomy multiple times and I realized I have no idea what that means. Can you uh can you shed some light on this and leave me with a little tinge of hunger before I before I take my lunch break? Before lunch,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, I'm glad that you're asking because this is one of the favorite topics to talk about. So, uh, what is good about the Bulgarian gastronomy is that we have received influence as a cross point between the west and the east. We receive a lot of influence in the past from greek cuisine from the turkish cuisine we have our own flavors as well what is very typical here apart from uh, apart, apart from the mediterranean diet which has strong influence to us well, are is the yogurt i would like to make a special emphasis on this because people don't uh, know it but uh, originally yogurt uh is made out of uh, bacteria uh, lactobacillus bulgaricus which grows in originally in the in the Rhodope mountains in the south of uh, bulgaria and which allows to for the milk to ferment and to turn into into yogurt and yogurt is the central ingredient that we u- use in our cuisine we use it for a special cold soup uh, which is called Tarator, which is a uh, great aperitif uh in the in the summer we use it for desserts we use it uh on the top of different uh dishes popular dishes in Bulgaria. so yeah apart from this uh, we have many pastries. Bread is a central ingredient of Bulgarian cuisine uh, as well. And I just want to finish with my favorite dish, which is called moussaka. Maybe you have heard of the Greek type of moussaka. But yeah, the Bulgarian type is made of different vegetables with minced meat and potatoes, bacon in uh, in the very juicy uh, tomato sauce. And on top of this, we make a layer of eggs and of course yogurt. And at the end, you get this creamy layer on the top really tasty uh dish just to kick the lunchtime
0: i love it man uh you well mission accomplished i'm i'm officially hungry and that sounds incredible and um i found it really interesting that you mentioned it a couple times you know just in passing in the conversation and i and i can see the passion and the pride in the food which is such a cool thing and like you know in some countries you you would expect that. You expect an Italian or, or Japanese guy to be like, "Yeah, I really love the food that's from my country," and I think it's uh, I think it's kind of cool to to dive into some other countries that may be a little under the radar, but have uh, excellent gastronomy as well. So, can't wait to come and try it. Thank you so much for for sharing the story, for talking. About you know the uh, the details of what you're doing and and what the country's doing as a whole. And before we sign off, I would love it if you could just share any links that people could go to. We'll we'll add them all to the show notes, of course. But while people are listening, where can they go to find you and and learn more about what you're doing personally and and professionally?
1: Thank you very much, uh, Chase, for giving me this opportunity to. Talk about what I'm passionate about, and to give just a little uh, flavor of what Bulgaria can can offer. So people can find me uh, in LinkedIn. I will show you the show notes, uh, and they are. Uh, we will be very happy if they have a look at what we do in nomadbalkans.com. And I'm very happy to answer any question that people may have about moving to Bulgaria or what Bulgaria can, can offer.
0: Excellent. Nomadbalkans.com is the place to go. I will certainly be looking. I've got it pulled up right here. It's an awesome website, by the way. It definitely inspires you to want to, to go visit. So if this conversation didn't do it for you, maybe check out the website and for, for a little travel inspo on Bulgaria. Thanks again, man. This was so fun. Can't can't wait till we meet in real life there in, in Bankso or, or somewhere close by.
1: Thank you very much, Chase, again. And I look forward to meeting you either here in Bulgaria or maybe I go down to Valencia.
0: And Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter, no spam, guaranteed, or ratethispodcast.com slash abroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.